Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, 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 my friends. I've got to pull my blinds down just a little bit. Where I sit, my office is the sun that just comes right through the window, which I really appreciate. But sometimes it's a little, little too bright. I want to welcome everybody to Blog Talk Radio's Off the Shelf for the Saturday before Thanksgiving. I'm going out later and getting my doing my Thanksgiving food shopping, which is a blessing. And I just want to welcome all of you again here to Off the Shelf this morning. It is an absolute joy to have you here with us, and I'm so excited about our guest today. i got to tell you, for almost 10 years, been on the air, and we have brought one phenomenal guest after the other. And what I love about the show, I always learn something from every single guest who comes on this show. I, I tell you, I learned something. It enriches my life. For our loyal, loyal listeners, and there are so many of you from around the world, I just was looking at stats earlier this week, and I was like, wow. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm truly impressed, and it just so just keeps growing. And like I always encourage you, tell your family, your friends, your colleagues, your neighbors, everybody, tune in to Off the Shelf at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or New York City Time on Saturday mornings. I mean, you will be so glad you did. Thank you, thank you. Thank you to our loyal, loyal listeners. Ten years. I, I cannot thank you enough for for all the years that you have been here with us. For those who are just coming over to Off the Shelf for the first time, maybe you're up this Saturday trying to fill your day or you're cleaning your house and you got the Internet or the radio on and you just came up, you stumbled over to the radio show, I want to introduce myself to you. I'm your host, Denise Turney, and as I always say, I'm coming to you live from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and I have to thank you again. I could thank you forever for your support, and it wouldn't be enough, and I encourage you, don't let this day go by. Pick up a copy of Love for Me. I say this on every show. You are going to love this book, but you can't love it if you don't get it because you can't, you can't experience it unless you get the book. It, it, you're going to get mystery, and there is a romance, I should say a love relationship between a man and a woman in Love Poetry Me that will really, really move you, and it might teach you a lot as well. Wonderful friendships, there's high chase scenes, keep you on the edge of, the, edge of your seat, and you can get this. It's a very thought-provoking and deeply emotional book. You can get it at any retailer, online or offline, and I, that's... that's uh, um, iTunes, that's that's Amazon, that's eBook. It ca- carries it. Barnes and Noble, Walmart, you name it. If you don't see it on the shelf, just ask the clerk for it. Because Love Pour Over Me is carried by the largest book distributors in the world. So go get yourself a copy. And the lowest price I've seen is three dollars and ninety nine cents. And you can also get it through my website, which is chistel dot com. C H I S T E L L dot com. And thank you. And now let us go and meet our very special off-the-shelf guest. I'm excited about today's show. This is a very important topic. We have a lot of fiction authors on off-the-shelf and editors and publishers and publicists and small business owners. But today's guest is talking about a very important real-life event. Then it, it hits the news every now and then and we all feel so bad about it and then we go back to our normal lives. So hopefully uh what our guest today shares will will kinda of shake us out of that going back to our normal lives and we really start to uh look out for and, and do things that really care for and love and protect our children. And our special guest today is Vet and I hope I'm saying her name right, because I know some people say Yvette, but Vet Allen Tatum, and she is the author of the books Welcome to My Morning Glory and I Didn't Know, a book that exposes the truth about child abuse. She's an author, a teacher, public speaker, licensed minister, and conference host. How many guests on Off the Shelf for all of our loyal listeners have we had on who do a gazillion things? <laughs> She's just She's just one of many who we've had on to do so many things. Now, she graduated from Grace Christian College with a Master's of Divinity and a Bachelor's of Arts in Theology. She is also the founder of Surrounded by Faith Ministries. You can please, please go visit Vet online at www.vetallentatum.com, and I'll spell it Y V E 
P-T-E-A-L-L-E-N-T-A-T-U-M. Again, that's Y-V-E-T-T-E-A-L-L-E-N-T-A-T-U-M, M as in Mary, dot com. Welcome to Off the Shelf, Vet. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. And our listeners, I want you to know she was here eight minutes early. How many times do we have guests on who I'm starting the show and they come on a few minutes late? We have to give her an applause. She was here <laughs> eight minutes early. So go vet. Go Thank vet. You. We really appreciate that. I want to start by asking you, where, where did you grow up and what was like life like for you as a child? Well, um, Aside from, I don't want to give anyone the impression in my book that, oh, she had a terrible childhood, because aside from the stories that I had there, as far as I'm concerned, I had a very good childhood, and it was very fun-filled. Um, in my youth, I kind of grew up some everywhere because my father was in the military, uh, but I primarily remember growing up in Richmond, Virginia, which is where I reside now. Okay, and, and so you, did you... Ch- did you go with your dad? Did you stay with your mom, or did you go to a lot of different well, military bases when you were? Yes, we did. It's just that I don't remember them, so I just really remember the stories. For example, um, there are six. I have there are six of us all together, but three of us were um, conceived while my father was in the military. So one of us, uh, myself, was born in D.C. For example, at Walter Reed. Somebody else was born in Kentucky at Fort Knox. And then another sibling was born at Fort Monmouth in New Jersey, and that's because he was on active duty during that time right out of college. And so we live different um, places. Um, again, I don't remember those places. I really kind of like only remember living in New Jersey, and then um, we last located to Richmond, Virginia. And so okay. that's kind of like where my childhood starts for me um, would be here in Richmond. Now, you do a lot of what I would call uh, community-type health or help or empowerment, I want to say, work. Now, do you work now in a social services field? And if not, what type of work do you currently do? <laughs> the work I do has nothing to do with my ministry work, which is just so funny. I'm laughing. I'm, I'm actually a numbers cruncher. <laughs> it's, oh, okay. it's, what I, um, it's what I do. It's, it's really funny how you get into things um, just to try and pull the whole pieces together. I have two daughters. Um, the youngest is 23 and the oldest is 25. And I kind of drove them so much while I was raising them. You know, you got to go to school, you got to get an education. But at the end of the day, your degree will take you anywhere that you want to go, but you want to mm-hmm. end up doing something that you enjoy. And so I remember growing up that I wanted to be a teacher, but my father said, Teachers don't make any money. You need to major in business. So that's what I did. I tried going to school majoring in accounting. That wasn't working. Um, I, marketing, I couldn't really grasp the concept. I didn't think I was creative enough for marketing. So I did business management. And so that degree has been very useful to me. I can't deny that. And so I'm a number cruncher right now. I work um, for a company where I write reports, I analyze data, and I try to make sense of what the data is. But it is the ministry work um, well, really, it came back to my passion of teaching, which I just realized a couple of years ago that I love teaching. I love seeing people light up like Christmas trees when they grasp a new concept or when they understand something. And it was through going to Bible college, really just trying to ingratiate myself and having a relationship with the Lord, that I realized I love sharing that with other people, and I saw how people would light up about it. So I just, you know, I started just encouraging people, just dropping little tidbits, you know, getting them start thinking about things that we just don't think about on a day-to-day basis. I think to some degree everyone believes, I'm going to say in a common word called a higher power. For me specifically, it's the Lord. And so in trying to get people to think beyond the boundaries of themselves, I just started encouraging people. So that's where all these other encouragement and empowering things came from because I like to see the response of people when somebody steps outside of themselves and takes time to look out for them. Oh, 
what what inspired you to write I didn't know and what a what a what a marvelous title you know when I first uh, was researching for your interview I've, again as I said earlier on off the shelf I've inter- we've interviewed so many fiction, fiction writers who write fiction books. I thought, oh, is this like a romance that a character didn't know something? And then I kept researching. I said, wow, what inspired you to write uh, I Didn't Know? Well, um, this look, to be honest with you, I spoke at a conference back in 2007, and the, my, the title of my message back then was about being fit for the master's use. After I, I finished my delivery, a young lady came up to me and just started sharing with me how much it touched her. And then she went on to start sharing personal things of her life with me, and I really just didn't know where it was coming from. She started saying to me how she was in a lesbian relationship, and I'm going, whoa, I don't know anything about that. And then she starts talking about um, being sexually abused as a child, and I'm going, whoa, mm. definitely don't know anything about that. And it's in the midst of the conversation with her, that I hear the Holy Spirit speak to me saying, yes, you do know about that. You have been sexually abused. I'm like, who are you talking to? (laughs) So she's actually talking to me and doesn't realize I've left my conversation with her. I'm standing there, but I've left the conversation with her because I'm trying to figure out what's going on with me. Right. So that was when the Holy Spirit revealed to me the things that had happened to me as a child. So apparently I had suppressed them. And in my research, that's not uncommon. Well, mm. again, even though the story, those stories uh, or those situations came up to me, I must have suppressed them again because I wasn't ready to deal with them because they didn't come out again, which I think was in 2010. I really can't remember when Tyler Perry came on the Oprah Winfrey show and revealed okay. that he had been sexually abused. Right. And it was in him sharing that story, I recognized, well, that's good that he's sharing, Right. but what about the little people? Mm. What about the little people who feel like, well, that's Tyler Perry. I can't right. tell what happened to me. And I right. just really wanted to give voice to the voice. I, I wanted people to know, you know, there are little people like us. This happens to everyday people. It's not limited mm-hmm. to stars. And, you know, then the Bible also tells us it does not yet appear who we shall be. So we might grow up and be famous one day. I don't know. But Mm -hmm. it happens to everyday people. And the Mm -hmm. title, I didn't know, came from the simple fact that I didn't know that I was sexually abused. But there are several reasons why I didn't know, which I reveal in the book. Um, Number one, as a child, I didn't have the language, the knowledge, or the understanding of what sexual abuse was because it wasn't talked about in our home. Now, this right. is not to criticize my home, but how many homes today really talk about child right. sexual abuse? Right. Nobody really talks about it. And uh, a lot of people avoid the subject because they think that in the past that a lot of people have been falsely accused, not just yeah. of child sexual abuse, but of child abuse. But what the truth of the matter is, is not that people have been falsely accused. We didn't have the right information to prove child abuse. Mm-hmm. Everybody yeah. has in their own mind what child abuse is, and so if, a situation doesn't fall into those parameters, people say, oh, well, the child must be making it up. But can we assess the situation truthfully? You know, suppose your child or niece and nephew, whoever you want to take in this example, comes to you and says a certain situation happened to them. If for whatever reason you are choosing not to believe them, then the next thing you may need to ask yourself is, okay, what situations have they been in where they gained that knowledge? to come to you and say that. Uh, so yeah. now you've got a whole nother problem. So if you, for whatever reason, if you don't believe your child and you think they made that up, okay, now where did they get that information? Mm. Yeah. They still got it from somewhere. And right. uh, one of the definitions merely in child uh, sexual abuse is exposure. Mm. Exposure. Mm-hmm. A child doesn't even have to be touched. If I expose a child to pornography, that yeah. is child sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. If I expose a child to my body parts, that is child sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. So, again, people do not know. And right. that's another reason why I'm advocating 
for this is because we got to know, we got to raise the bar. We have to err on the side of caution and protect our children. Because the other thing that's what's happening is we're so busy not wanting to hurt a person who may have done this to our child, you, we're mm-hmm. not even considering the damage that's happening to our child. Our child, right. ch- children are coming to us to protect them. We're supposed to be the first line of defense. Mm-hmm. And the first thing we're doing is shunning them, putting them away, not believing them. Can you imagine the crush that our children experience every time their parent or, our, or an adult does not believe them when they say something has happened to them? Oh, and something that major. Oh my God, yeah, that would be. But I think the I don't think that the parent doesn't believe it. I think the parent, the grandparent, aunt, uncle, whatever, they want it to not be true. It's, it's almost and like, true. and that happens even sometimes domestic violence, other things. You don't want it to be true, so you really wish the person had never said it. And a lot of times people might suspect even, like, again, to, uh, domestic violence, child abuse, is something's going on, but because they hope is not, they really don't want it to be, they they just don't leave me no signs that it could be because, that's not the world I really want. And I don't want you trying to mess up the world I want by telling me something different. I think you that's part are of it so too. correct. Oh, you don't know how correct you are. I also point that out in my book because as parents or whoever the primary caregiver is, that's the other hard part. In order for me to acknowledge the possibility that this happened to you, yes. now I have to acknowledge my role in this. Mm-hmm. And one thing I want to say to um, the children, um, any victims, survivors, parents, it is not our fault. It really isn't. Nobody has a right to victimize or take advantage of your relationship and abuse our children. We were taken advantage of. We were tricked, okay? So, you know, I, I I want the children, I want the parents to be set free, but I want us to all move past that and confront this issue. Because while we're not responsible for people taking advantage of us, we are responsible for the knowledge that we obtain once we are aware. That is where your responsibility starts. Well, that's powerful what you just said. And it's the first time I heard something like that. Um, One of the things, and we kind of – we kind of touched on this just a few minutes ago, but when it comes to things like child abuse, whether it's physical abuse, somebody punching or shaking a kid or pushing a kid or emotional and verbal abuse, you cuss kids, tell them they're stupid and dumb, or sexual abuse where, you know, you like you said, you expose them to pornography or let them see you in the nude or here you want to touch so, such and such and learn more about this body. That's something you shouldn't be doing or having sexual intercourse with a kid. We. This is what I thought the title of your book was about. But we often say, you'll hear people say it. I hear women in domestic violence relationships say this as well. I didn't know. I didn't know the person was like that. Or 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 when a child is abused, nobody knows. Yeah, I never would have suspected so and so. I just find it hard to believe sometimes. Do you find that? Or, or what I was going to say then. So you take a situation where something was going on. Then somebody either gets caught by someone else, or they say a couple gets divorced. Then they tell you all the signs they saw. They'll say, I, I missed this and that, but, yeah, he was a bomb or she wasn't no good. Do you – that means that you did see the signs. If if one is over, you can point them all out. Do you think that, as humans, we put up blinders until oh. we're ready to face – until we are ready to face – we just – we say, oh, I didn't know. I didn't. You did know. That that's You didn't true. want to we, see we, it. We we do we do put up blinders. We do put up blinders. I I, I am going to acknowledge that. But let let me just share with you, if, if I can. There are eight myths in my book that I point out. Myth number one: Normal appearing, well educated, middle class people don't molest children. That's the biggest myth. Mm. People think it's a bum on the street, a stranger, somebody stalking our children. In ninety percent of cases. And that's just of the cases that have been reported, because I want to acknowledge that not all cases of child abuse or child sexual abuse get reported. But in 90% of those that are reported, the child knew the victim. Mm. 
Myth number two, people oh, are too quick. Abuser. Yeah, people are mm-hmm. too quick to believe an abuser is guilty even if there is no supporting evidence. That is not true. People oh, are very really? quick not to believe. Ah. People are very quick not to believe. They think we think that there's a rush to judgment. Oh no, that is not true. That mm. is not true. The problem is if the accused person does not fit the the profile or the stereotype, we we want to think, well, they couldn't have done that. It's a normal, uh, normal person. No, mm. that is, the statistics show that is not true. Child molesters molest indiscriminately. That is not true. They don't. It's not random. It is not random. Hmm. It is not random. Um, there's something in my book also um, called, I think it's in a section called Confessions of a Pedophile. And one of the things that the person says is that pedophiles are like uh, magicians. They create an atmosphere that they want you to see. But all of that is part of the illusion so that they can do what they want to do with your child. It's all mm. a setup. It starts in the mind, and they create something. And they create the scene that they want you to see. And unfortunately, we buy into it, because one of the first things they do is they gain your trust. And once they gain your trust, the next thing they do is gain access to your family. You know, that is really Because you, you always think that it's some subconscious driver. Because a lot of our drivers are subconscious in the MLB that makes them do that. But to think that they are consciously aware of what they're doing is pretty uh, stark. Yeah, it is. It is. It's, um, well, and again, what I will say you know, as a Christian person, and just as a human being, I have compassion for for people who are offenders. And the reason why I say that is because I cannot fathom the torment and the torture that you must be going through in your mind Mm -hmm. to make you do this, not just to a child or to anyone, because, I mean, let us not forget there are adults that are sexually assaulted. Right. You know, but, you know, I just happen to be advocating for children. Mm-hmm. You know, but the torment that one must go through in their mind to uh, do this to a child uh, is just, you know, I, I just can't I just can't imagine it. I, I don't understand how these people sleep at night. I, I just don't understand it. And I, I want people to know that since I wrote the book and since I've been doing this virtual book tour, I've met so many people from all walks of life, either who've been abused or who work with abuse um, victims, and it's just it's amazing the stories that you will hear. And I'm only hearing them because I stepped into this arena. But some people will never hear these stories. Some people mm. will never know the horror that is going on or the horror that some people are living with even today. Um, I, I spoke with one lady one time before, and she shared with me how she has really, really bad triggers. There are certain sounds that just really set her off because of the abuse that she suffered. Not only did she, she suffer child abuse, being abused, being abused physically and mentally and emotionally, but then there was sexual abuse. Child sexual abuse was another piece of it as well. And then there was domestic abuse. So she's been abused all her life. And so mm-hmm. almost any type of sound just sets her off. You know, smells, colors, scenery may set her off. You know, I've, I've spoken to a, uh, a doctor that works specifically only with men um, who are overcoming being sexually abused as children. And, you know, it's, it's equally as harmful sometimes, I would think, even not more so for men because, you know, it strips them of their masculinity. Right. Yeah. You and, know, and they it, were it, abused as a child, yes. And it's, it's unfortunately prevalent. I heard in some places one in four girls, and I forget, the boys is lower, it's a lower number, but... It's it's just really when you think about all the forms of violence and people violating each other. It's really um, 
I don't know, I think it's a, you have to really almost loathe and hate yourself, and it's a way to try to, some people, some people when they their self-hate makes them do be maybe become anorexic or they'll cut themselves. Other people will harm other people. It, but it's really, a, I think, an effort to hurt the, yourself. You can't love yourself and, and, and mistreat other people. It just is impossible. You can't do it. I don't think that can That's be true. done. That's so true. It's, it's, I, I think it's a, a form of self-attack, but rather than to attack or cut yourself, as, again, some people do, you reach out to hurt someone else. But really, the person you really want to hurt is you. Um, can you can you give our listeners a glimpse of some of the action items? You were talking about the eight myths uh, that you cover in your book, I Didn't Know. And how old were you? I'm just curious when you, 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 you said you had experience with the Holy Spirit revealed to you that you also were somebody who had been abused. Okay, well, the book um, starts off with my four stories of abuse. Um, I had four incidences that were brought back to my remembrance um, where I was abused. Um, I believe my abuse because I have not thought about this again since I wrote the book, to be honest, and I've been so busy advocating for others that I haven't even gone back and reread my own personal story. started at the age of seven, mm. and it was with um, a cousin. You don't have to reveal. Yeah, you don't have to reveal the person, but... Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't state names, but I do state it in my book. I describe very graphically who these people are Mm -hmm. and what happened. And the purpose for it is, again, it's not about me, but for people to understand what child sexual abuse is. There's one Mm -hmm. person I describe as a salesman, and this is not to minimize what happened, but I just want people to have an understanding. He did what I call tickled me between my legs, Uh. and it tickled. Okay, but that's child sexual abuse. You're an adult. Yeah. I'm a child. You right. had no business touching me in that manner. But mm-hmm. the other thing is, is that when these weird things happen, you become paralyzed and you don't know what to do. When that particular instance happened, my father was in the other room. Why didn't I say something? Right. Why didn't I scream? And it is amazing the responsibility that children will take on to protect adults. Yeah. Oh, my God, you just will not believe how children will respond, and they just will take on this responsibility. You know, I'll give you a good example. We've seen it in movies, and we may have even seen it in our everyday lives, when when a couple gets divorced and there are children involved. The mm-hmm. children want to know what was their role in this breakup. Yes, happened. yeah, yeah. As if they yeah. are responsible. Yes. And so th- th- those same emotions apply. I-, I remember when I'm taken back to that moment, if I told my dad what was going to happen to that man, mm. I should have been more concerned about me. Right. What was going to happen to that man? I didn't know who this man was. Was he my father's employer? So now was my father going to lose his job? I mean, mm. there were so many things that went through my mind that had nothing to do with me. Right. Yeah, and they say t- children do tend to blame themselves, uh, and you can carry that into your adulthood. It impacts whatever the experience is, like you said, divorce, whatever it is. And you can carry it into your adulthood until you work through it. It's like a snag or something you just keep getting caught on until you work all the way through it. You know, unfortunately, I think all of us have something to work through. <laughs> Oh, yes, you are. Unfortunately, (laughs) everybody. We all have something to work through. Unfortunately, uh, yes. Yes, which is, again, for the purpose of my subtitle in the book. I want people to be able to identify child sexual abuse. Once you identify it, you have to confront it because now you're responsible for that information. Mm. But I also want people to know you can overcome it. You're not stuck in a rut. You know, my publisher and I at the time, we we kind of bickered back and forth over this title because she wanted to say eradicating, but I wanted to say overcoming. 
And, mm-hmm. you know, she challenged me. She said, do you think we cannot eradicate it? And I said, I'm going to be honest with you, no, I don't. Because we know from a biblical standpoint, once sin entered the world, it was ju- it's just going to be with us. Mm-hmm. And child sexual abuse is sin. So I chose overcoming because I want people to know you can overcome it, but you've mm-hmm. got to be able to confront it. Right. In order to overcome it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. pushing it down, pretending like it didn't happen, that's not going to help you. Because, I mean, look at me. It came up at the weirdest time. And yeah, I didn't still, even know that I was suppressing it. But, yeah, because it's still working in your subconscious mind. You're not consciously aware of it, but it's still doing its, its work in, in you. You're just not, you're, not, you're just not consciously aware of it. So it's, I think it's better to become consciously aware of it, work through it, move beyond it, so you can go on to other things, including helping other people. Now, I wanted to ask you, I know you're also a minister. Minister, uh, We hear about child abuse in the Catholic Church, and everybody goes, oh, you know, like there they go, the priest, again, abusing kids. But have you found that in other, like the Baptist Church, uh, uh, Methodist, et cetera, have you found that, that this also is widespread in other churches? That's the last place most people think, okay, a coach would never do it, a minister would never do it. We know teachers do it. It's just come out too much. But it's, it's, it's certain people you just think, ah, oh, no, they would never do that. I, I, I think I, I have not done a specific study but my personal opinion is that because it can happen anytime, any place, anywhere, I don't think it's just like a bullet. A bullet doesn't have anybody name on it. Child sexual abuse does not have a denomination on it. Mm. Uh, you know, I have my own personal opinions about why it may be prevalent in the Catholic Church. You know, because they have certain standards that they're trying to live by. My personal opinion, I, I don't. I think they're illogical. You know what I'm saying? You know. When you go into the priesthood, you're supposed to take a vow of celibacy. Okay, right. that that's a huge challenge by itself, you know. But okay, that's your vow. I'm not gonna question that. And that's one thing I don't question what people say God told them to do. That's not my place. Okay. Right. But yes, it it is happening in our I'll say our black churches as well. You know, and we don't want to talk about it. Let's be real. We don't we don't want to yeah. talk about it. But we still need to confront it as well. I personally don't care where it's happening. I just want to confront it, and I want right. to deal with it. I see the church, for me, I always tell people, because people get so shocked and appalled when they hear all this stuff that happens in the church. That's why I don't trust the church and this and that. The church is a hospital. Right. We go there to get help. We go there to get encouraged. We go there to get empowered. It, you know, of course, ultimately, all that stuff, in my opinion, is supposed to come straight from God. I don't know what type of show you have, so I'm sorry if I'm getting too spiritual. No, you go right I believe, I believe we're supposed to get all that directly from God. You know, all right. that comes from him. But, you mm-hmm. know, I see the church as, as my coach, you know what I'm saying, my cheering squad, cheering me on, helping to give me a little bit of direction, um, inspiring me and different things like that. But I understand that the church is made up of a collaboration of people with issues. Yes. And we all trying to get straight. We you all know what, got though, issues. You, but, but when you first go to church, and I'm thinking about as a child, like we just said, it's a hospital, but the church, it's just, things are changing over the generations because we're not willing to hide things we used to hide. People hit so much. I tell my son a lot of stuff that you see, out and he's he's an adult. A lot of stuff you see in the media and whatnot, it looks like it's just something new coming up. I said this stuff been going on for generations. People hit it before. They yeah. hit it. And yeah. so it looks like oh the world is going crazy. No, it's not. People have been doing this stuff for generations. They hit it before and now is because I remember when like domestic violence and child abuse really started being exposed in the nineteen seventies. That's when it really started coming out. Before then, you would think, oh, people were better Christians, were better wives and husbands. And my grandparents would tell me, that's a, that a lie. People put up with more stuff than they do today. Oh, my people, God. People, 
people hid stuff. Years ago, you would think, oh, child abuse didn't exist in the 30s and the 40s. Uh, yeah, it did. Nobody yes, talked it about it. Nobody, Nobody talked, talked about, about it. it. And then, yeah, you know, so we, you would think you, that. Yeah, I was just going to say, and then we, you know, I can't speak for other cultures because I'm African-American and always have been. But, you know, in our culture, we got what happens in the house stays in the house, what happens in yes. the family stays in the family, all that stuff. That's been the biggest detriment to to black people than, oh, my goodness. I'm, I'm actually in school right now pursuing another master's in human services counseling, and I'm working on a research paper for child abuse. I found out child abuse goes all the way back to the Middle Ages in the Renaissance period. There was something called infant side. It was called population control where they would kill infants. Well, of course, we've seen it back in the Bible, you know, mm-hmm. where they killed the male infants. So right. child abuse, yeah, it's not new. It's not new at all. It's just that we didn't understand you know, today we don't understand what it is. You, if a child says they've been abused, you look at them. They got on good clothes. They don't have yeah. any scars. Um, and so they're abused. What, what are you talking about? But you don't know the torture that they go home to, the language, mm. the emotional abuse that they go to. They may ha- they may go home and actually get a meal, but they may have to sit in their room and stay in their room till they come out the next day. That's still abuse. <sighs> yes. Suppose they're sitting uh, in a room with darkness, no light. Mm. That's still abuse. But because you can't see any physical signs, and the child is well-groomed and obviously well-fed, no signs of physical scars, you're thinking the child made it up. Right, right. And that's another thing that they are trying to do now. They're trying to better equip our frontline people beyond our parents, so pediatricians. Mm-hmm. Um, social workers, teachers, yeah. even dentists. Even dentists now are are starting to have a mandate of when the children come in for health examinations in terms of trying to determine when was the last time the child's seen. Um, there are signs and symptoms they can look for in the child's mouth to tell if there's been any maltreatment or neglect. And so th- they are trying to get better. But the bad part is we're behind the curve. Mm-hmm. Mm. We're behind the curve. Yeah, and I think what you're doing is very commendable because we know that, you know, you gotta, you've gotta, you got to, like you say, it's got to be brought into the light so there can't be nothing left hidden. And we put too much effort into we want to hide, and we want to hide because we don't want it to be there. Hiding doesn't take it away. You have to face it and deal with it. There's no other way, just turning and trying to pretend something's not happening. And then what happens is kids are little, so you think, oh, they can't do much. They're just tiny, little two, three, four, five, six, seven-year-olds. But they become adults, and they carry these issues around with them. Then when they become grown and they pull a gun to somebody's head or they do, they have severe depression or go into drug abuse, then you see what you could have stopped, but you didn't. Exactly. You didn't. All of a sudden, everybody wants to know where it comes from. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, we didn't can, know they were like that. Well, we always wondered. We we knew something was weird when they stayed stuck up in their room all their time. Okay, mm-hmm. did you go upstairs and talk to them? Yeah. Did you engage them? Did you try to pull them out of their room to find out what was going on with them? And that's, that. I mean, you don't know how bad that frustrates me. Every time you see something happening on these college campuses, where one student kills another student, and then you hear all, all the family members and the friends say, you know, I knew something was strange when they started wearing black. Mm. <laughs> well, I knew, I mean, did y'all saw all of this stuff and nobody put two and two together because nobody wants to confront anybody. Everybody wanted to keep everybody happy. Nobody wants to, you know, we don't want to ruffle the feathers. Yeah, that. And and the most you can do, you can approach somebody. If they push you away, then at least your conscience is clear. You know, look, I did my part. You can't force somebody to get help, but you can at least approach them. Can you share three to five signs that 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 a child? I know they they all of them are different with each child, but can you share three to five more common signs? that are, are present when a child has been abused, whether, again, they're verbally, emotionally, 
psychologically or sexually abused? Well, one of the things is um, be open, have open communication with your child so that the signs may be a little bit more obvious to you. For example, um, do you notice how you can be somewhere with your child and they're just talking, laughing, having a good time, enjoying themselves, and then another person enters the room, your child's disposition changes. Mm. Uh, Whether it's their body behavior changes or whether they just um, become quiet verbally. So watch their demeanor. Um, If uh, your child used to enjoy going to summer camp or Uncle So-and-So's house and all of a sudden, do I have to go? I'll stay at home by myself. I don't want to go. I'll stay out of school. But they don't give you an explanation. They just say they don't want to go. Mm. Or does your child all of a sudden start acting out in school? All the, you know, you had a relatively good child, and all of a sudden they're displaying um, negative behavior that you're not accustomed to. Mm. Are their grades slipping in school? Are they starting to wet the bed? Mm. Um, are they starting to cover up? You know, mm, you may yeah. not be used to your children. You know, depending on age. I understand once right. they become teenagers, everybody comes right. private. But are your children all of a sudden starting to cover up, not wanting to be seen? Hmm. You know, I, I would say any, it, there's, I mean, there are common things, you know, like I said, the bedwetting, bad grades, maybe running away from home change in body, um, demeanor, Um, but because our children are different and we just need to be observant of our children, I would say just watch them. Um, Nail biting, if your child never bit their nails and all of a sudden you notice their nails are bit down to the nub, something's going Mm. on. Okay. And even if your child's a teenager, they start staying out late, just... Just be aware of everything and anything because it may not be child abuse or child sexual abuse, but there's still something that's happened in your child's life where now they're they're crying out and they may not know how to cry out. Mm-hmm. That, that, that any like you said, you got to know your child, talk to your child, and you can see, like you say, they if they suddenly they're very social, they suddenly are in their room all the time. It, could, it it might not be even abuse, but it might be some hormonal or some brain, some changes happening in their brain. That, exactly. That it, it, it could be anything, but if they if their behavior is suddenly changing, they're all of a sudden eating a lot, or they're just stop eating. There's something that has shifted or changed. It doesn't mean they've been abused, but there could be some uh, again hormonal or changes in the brain that are going on that you need to you know get on top of. What steps can parents and caregivers take? Uh, to make, you know, each of us really to help make the children around us more safe from from abuse? Well, you know what, education is the key. I would get with um, local places. Um, Let me first start with there's an organization called Child Help, and they list the National Child Abuse Hotline number on their website, which is 1-800, the number 4, the letter A, and then C-H-I-L-D. So it's 1-800-4-A-CHILD. Um, the actual numbers are 1-800-422-4453. You can call places like this, the National Child Abuse Hotline number, and they can refer you to programs locally to you and nationally to help get you help, um, to help get you started. I've, education is the key in my mind. So you want to start the dialogue in the home, but if you don't know how, you can start with um, child protective services, um, for example, to get equipped on how to start the dialogue. Um, advocate for having the dialogue started in your local schools, for example. You want to um, maybe maybe you're the forerunner in your community and you want to be a person to start. Um, we have those neighborhood watch things, this could mm-hmm. be your own neighborhood, whatever you want to call it, where you're just advocating for children to talk about issues that are facing your, your children. If you think mm-hmm. you really do have a strong church community, then maybe it's something that you can start in your church community. Everybody needs to make a decision for themselves where the best place is for them to start. But I think it's just 
uh, by having that open dialogue with your children. If you don't know where to start with your child, but you may suspect things or you suspect something with a niece or a nephew, I think there are easy ways to drop hints. For example, I just gave out this information on National Child Abuse Hotline. You could write it down and put it on your message board at home. Even if your child says, Mom, what you got that for? You could say, oh, I was trying to get some information. You just leave it up there. Uh, you never know, your child may use that number, or mm. they may refer that number to somebody else. There are subtle ways that things can be done. You know, um, the, the number of the Child Protective Services, you mm-hmm. know, child sexual abuse survivors, or, you know, just talk to your child in abstract. Maybe not ask them up front, has this ever happened to you? But, you know, you can make up a story if you have to. You know, not that I advocate lying, but I'm just saying you know, I heard an interview today where a lady was yes. talking about she was sexually abused and, you know, her parents didn't believe her. What do you think about that? Yes, or if it happened to you, you could share your story with your child. They might then feel comfortable enough to think, hey, my mommy or my daddy, this happened to them, and then they might exactly. tell you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, are there any programs, and I know when somebody does wrong, we always want them to be tortured, <laughs> and there's not enough torture for them. Are there any programs for people who might be tempted to abuse a child? And there was, I can't remember the doctor's name who said on his show, and I was so appreciative, he said, if you even thinking about doing, and it wasn't child abuse, it was something else. It was something to do with violence, but it wasn't child abuse. He said, if you even having thoughts of this, go get help. Is there, is yeah. there any place for people if they even they haven't acted on anything? It just crossed their mind. Are there any programs where they can go? I know you can go to a psychologist, and right. I encourage any of our listeners who might be tempted to do something, whether it's child abuse, domestic violence, any type of abuse, to go get help. And and and, and psychologists they have a code of ethics they have to stick by. Unless they see you're a danger uh, to society, they generally will keep it confidential. Now if they see you a danger, then they have to tell it. They have to tell the police or someone. But it's better to get help than to do it and try to hide it because eventually you're going to get caught and you're going to have ruined so many people's lives. But are you aware of any other steps, people who might be tempted to to take a wrong step where they can go get help? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. At this point, I am not, but that's only because all of this is new to me. While Mm -hmm. I'm advocating, I'm actually still learning. So Mm -hmm. if somebody, you know, since you've approached me with that, I would still refer them to the National Child Abuse Hotline, and I'm sure they can refer them where they can go to get help. Mm -hmm. You know, um, just like we have child protective services, there's also adult protective services. And even though that's for the protection of adults, these places still have connections with programs where they can refer you to get help for you. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what, and, why these programs were created. And, I again, I encourage any listeners, whether you're listening today or you're listening in the future, and it's just, you, you know, you just in the private of, privacy of your own home, you're listening and you know, hey, that's me. Rather than continuing to hide it, uh, again, you could check with a psychologist or, or like uh, uh, Beth said, you could call a child abuse hotline and get ask tell somebody you you need help. You need help because you don't want to start acting on that stuff. People who've done wrong, I've heard them say the first time they did it, they said that that's what I should have never done. And it's, it's beyond child abuse. Whenever they do something wrong, they'll say. I should have never done it the first time because it made it easier for me to do it again and again and again. I should have never done it the first time because it just spirals out of control. So I encourage our listeners, go get help. Don't sit there and judge yourself and, and just say, oh, you're just a bad person and you ain't going to never do good. Go get help. And uh, you'd be helping not only yourself but a lot of other people. And I would encourage and hope that you would do that. Now, what advice can you give somebody that um, who knows we touched on this before, and I definitely want to touch on it. we got about 10 more minutes before we close. But what advice would you give someone who knows a child is being abused, but they either want to keep those blinders up, they don't, is it somebody in their family, they don't want to put a stain on their family, they just don't want to address it, or they don't know how to report it. What advice would you give them? They don't want to confront the abuser. They don't want to raise it with the child because they don't maybe want the child to get emotional or feel shame. And they don't want to report it either. What advice would you give to these people? 
who are struggling would, with this? I would tell them, again, the National Child Abuse Hotline, 1-800-422-4453, um, Child Protective Services, because you can report um, matters of suspected abuse um, anonymously um, to Child Protective Services. You never know. You may call Child Protective Services, as someone else may have called as well, and that mm. will give them pause or cause to at least initiate a visit um, to the home if you want to remain anonymous. Um, you may know someone or, you know, there's so much information on the Internet these days. You may be able to find someone locally who can um, give you some advice or some tips on how to handle the matter to try and maybe do some research or just some observation of your own to consider what your next steps would be. I understand not wanting, you definitely don't want to be wrong, and I understand that. Um, and so I would just encourage you to reach out and do something. The bottom line is I learned this when I had my children in private school when they were younger, mm-hmm. and it was a private Christian school. And when they were doing science, one of the things that stuck with me was when we were going over their vocabulary list one week um, was instincts. And the definition at that time that they were given was that our instincts are our God-given talents and ability. Mm-hmm. It's innate. Um, anybody who knows their Bible says that God breathed the breath of life in us. So he put everything in us um, that we needed to uh, not only be prosperous and be successful, but when someone breathes into you, you're getting their the essence of them right. to you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So instinctively, when we think something, it's usually true. Mm. So let's just start there. Instinctively, you, you suspect something. You may not have the knowledge base to confirm whatever it is. You're feeling uneasy for a reason. Um, Christians will call that discernment. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so you're feeling that way for a reason. It's probably true. It may not be as graphic as or as horrible as you think, or it may be more horrible than you think. Mm-hmm. But your your instincts are enough to provoke you to have that matter investigated. Mm-hmm. And it's up you, you to it's up to you to choose and decide how best to go about doing that. Yeah, and if you hide it or you want to turn away. Uh, there that even if the child is the person stops abusing that child, you can talk to a psychologist just the way the mind works, or even somebody who's committed a, a wrong before any type of wrong. They're probably gonna do it again. So you might say, "Oh, well, I kept it out of my family. I protected this one or that one." Then years from now, that maybe the person goes on and abuse ten or twenty more kids, and you could have you could have helped stop it. And then also exactly. when you said you said, "Well, if you call the hotline, you can." Make anonymous call. Just call because maybe two, three other people have called as well, and you just don't know that. And it could make a difference. So when you made that point, I definitely wanted to echo that because I thought that was a very important point to make. You might not be the only person calling. So if you really suspect something, don't do it hatefully, though, because I say this because there are people who go through divorces, child custody issues, and they start blaming each other for abusing kids, and that's not even the case. So don't do it hatefully, just only if you really suspect that a child's being abused, not not as a as a as a part of a game, so you can get a bigger divorce settlement or something. Don't do it for that reason. I wanted to also let our li- listeners just remind who made it might have just be tuning in, and you you'll definitely be able to listen to the show again. We're speaking with Vet Alan Tatum. She's the author of the books. Welcome to my morning glory, which we probably not even gonna get to today because the show's almost over, and I didn't know. And that the, the latter book exposes the truth about child abuse. And Vet is an author. She's a teacher, public speaker, licensed minister and a conference host and she is the founder of surrounded by faith ministries she is just doing so many wonderful empowering positive things uh, that i'm sure enrich her life and the lives of those she she comes in contact with she is online at www.vetallentatum.com and that's spelled y v e 
A-T-T-E-A-L-L-E-N as in Nancy, T-A-T-U-M as in Mary, dot com. We only have a few more minutes left with that today. Anybody who want to get more information about her book, I didn't know, or or even her other book, uh, feel free to check. go to her website and you can reach out to her directly through her website. If you'd like to have her come speak at an organization where you're, you're at, you can, you know, reach out to her. That said, that I definitely wanted to ask you, do you plan to offer workshops to help educators, parents, caregivers, et cetera, around the issues of child abuse? And, again, there are different types of, of abuse. It could be verbal, physical, emotional, or sexual. Do you plan to offer workshops to accompany your book? I didn't know. Oh, yes, I most certainly do, definitely. We are working on a conference for April of 2014 because April is Child Abuse Awareness Month. Okay. Okay. I, I, I hope, uh, again, that will be at your website, correct? I'm sure you probably will be putting information out about that soon because we're heading into December. <laughs> Before you know it, it'll be it'll be upon you. And is that going to be in Richmond? Are you still in Richmond? Yes, it will be in Richmond, Virginia. We just secured the venue for it on Friday, so we will be updating the website with the actual date, time, and place um, for that particular event. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm trying to race right now. When and why, can you tell us very quickly, you surrounded, why did you found Surrounded by Faith Ministries, and what are some of the services that are offered through the ministry? Okay, Surrounded by Faith Ministries is a women's ministry that kind of started off as an email ministry. I was um, going through a divorce, and as uh, the Holy Spirit was sharing little nuggets um, with me, I started sharing it with my friends, and um, it was well-received, and they wanted to have a Bible study. So I started having a Bible study in my home, and that led to the birth of Surrounded by Faith uh, ministries and what we just started doing was using the Word of God to transform our lives, to change our lives, to um, just empower us to be better women and to be um, not just better but stronger in learning how to be dependent on God and to have just have thriving lives. And so that was the purpose of the ministry. And then we started hosting conferences, um, and the most notable conferences. Um, our Throw Your Hands Up conferences. And with those series of conferences, what we've been doing is encouraging people to pick up the dreams and visions that God has given them and to step out on faith and believe that God will make will bring them to pass if he gave them that dream and vision, but that the dream and vision can't come to pass if you just sit on it and do nothing with it. And so mm. those conferences have been very, uh, very successful. We've also okay. done um, outreaches where we fed um, the homeless, um, donated clothing to the homeless, and so it's 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 been a wonderful experience. Can you very quickly let our listeners know where they can get copies of your books, both of your books, and also what social networks you're on? Okay, I'm on Twitter at loosed l o o s e d zero three. I am on Facebook at Yvette, Y-V-E-T-T-E, dot Tatum, T-A-T-U-M. Um, both books are available at Amazon.com. I didn't know because we did switch to one of the main distributors. is available at all online retail outlets, not just Amazon, but Barnes & Noble, Tower Records, Books A Million. Um, it's also available in Kindle form, I didn't know. Um, the other book, um, Welcome to My Morning Glory, is available on Amazon. I can always also be found at my website, the books, and I can also be contacted at my website, EvetteAllenTatum.com. And I think this answers all your questions, I think. Okay. <laughs> we we want to thank Yvette as we come down to the last 60 seconds of today's show. We want to thank Yvette for, for being here with us again again. Vet Allen Tatum, her website URL is exactly as it sounds, and that's, again, Y-V-E-T-T-E-A-L-L-E-N-T-A-T-U-M, as in Mary.com. She is doing a marvelous work, uh, and, and I, I hope that you all will go to her website, stay in touch with her to learn about her 
April conference is coming up, and it, she just what she's doing in her book. I didn't know it's putting, exposing or putting light on child abuse is is just a good work, a good 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 giant step forward. And we thank her for what she's doing. Please tell folks you know, and especially those you might think were abused as a child and now they're an adult and they might be struggling with some issues, to tune into today's show. She did share a lot of advice and tips and places where you can get help that they might find beneficial or you yourself might find. Again, if you're tempted to do anything wrong, violent, et cetera, go get help. The fact that it's in your mind is proof that you need to get help because first it comes into your thoughts and then you start dwelling on it. Next thing you know, something pops up that matches the temptation, you act on it, and now you, you're doing it, you feel shame, you feel guilty, you feel like you got to hide it, you feel bad, and then you keep doing it over, and our brains are habitual, you just start doing it, and it gets worse and worse and worse. Before you go down that path, go get help, whatever it is, go love yourself, love yourself enough to go get help before you act on it. So we want to thank Yvette, and if you have been abused, also go get help so you can work through it and not not keep hiding it. We can't hide it, whether it's the abuser or the person who was abused. we got to face it and deal with it so we can move forward and not keep passing this stuff uh, from down from generation to generation. Thank you to Yvette. Please go and support I Didn't Know. And her other book, again, is titled Welcome to My Morning Glory. And to all of our off-the-shelf listeners, I want to wish you a phenomenal Thanksgiving. Just count your blessings. Regardless, we've all been through things and we're all working through something. Please just take a little time out to count your blessings, the, your real friends, your family, your loved ones, just anything that brings you joy, and I hope you will allow that into your life even more and more. As I always tell you, you are awesome. You're fabulous. You are incredible. Go and create a marvelous, remarkable, incredibly good day for yourself. See you back here next Saturday at 11 o'clock where we will continue to bring you awesome guests. Happy, happy Thanksgiving. Bet I'll shoot you an email. Thank you so much. Thank you.